We are on Ksubis Tez Zayin Amabay 16b1 in the Arshul Gemara in the first column. The Gemara is continuing on in its commentary on the Mishnah. So just a quick review of the Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah was discussing a case where uh, a wife was either divorced or she became a widow and the husband, or in the case of a widow where the husband died, the children, let's say, of the husband, uh, they have the dis- following dispute. What happened in the marriage when they first got married? Is this Was this her first marriage? Was this her second marriage? Ramifications with regards to how much does she receive for her ksuba. Now, in order to have such a dispute, this is going to be very important for the coming Gemara, Tosos, the classic commentator Tosos already points out, that we cannot have the ksuba in front of us. We can't have a ksuba in front of us. A ksuba is the document which details whether or not this is her first or second marriage and how much she receives. If we have a ksuba, there is nothing to argue about. Um, it's really uh, a case where there is no ksuba. So when there's no ksuba, um, and we'll get into the specifics as to why there's no ksuba in the Gemara, but if there's no ksuba around, there's no ksuba present, so then the Mishnah says... Well, if there are Adim, if there are witnesses who uh, bring proof that this was a Besula, she was a virgin and this was a first marriage for her type of a wedding because they used to do uh, unique things at the wedding in such a scenario. Uh, for example, her hair was uncovered or they would give out certain sweet candies to the, to the children uh, in such a marriage. Uh, perhaps they were doing that in, such, in that type of a marriage because... It's either because it's more exciting, it's a first marriage for her, so there's a bit of a higher level of excitement, or perhaps they wanted to do this so that they could differentiate between these different types of marriages, perhaps because maybe later on we're going to need to have testimony about this. So we want to sort of differentiate between these different types of marriages because it impacts how much she would receive as her ksuba. It's also an interesting potential reason as to why we would have this, why we would have this, these differences at the wedding itself. Either way, the point is is that if she has witnesses that um, that prove that this was the type of a wedding for uh, for a woman where it's her first marriage, so then that's good enough testimony, and she can receive her ksuba even though she doesn't have the document. She's not holding on to the document. So the Gemara now is going to say, "Wait a minute, she's not holding on to the document." So we should be concerned for different scenarios. So this is what the Gemara is going to get into. Shouldn't we be concerned that maybe she'll collect from this court, hide her Ksuba document, she'll say, oh, I lost the document, uh, use the witnesses as proof, she'll get her money, and then she'll ask for to go to a different court, and uh, we'll see different scenarios. Either she'll use the document, she was hiding it, now she reveals this document to a new court in a new city, and collect again, or maybe she'll bring other witnesses to testify that this was, and she'll say, oh, I lost my ksuba, I never received the money. Uh, maybe this is this is going to lead to the scenarios where she might have the ability to collect twice. Obviously, she's not allowed to collect twice, but uh, what's stopping her? What exactly is stopping her? So this really leads to a very big discussion about, uh, even in a regular case, forget about a, a ksuba, this, uh, the amount that the husband uh, obligates upon himself to pay his wife upon the uh, termination of the marriage, but let's say it's a regular case of a loan. Uh, so there's a malva and a lova. Uh, there's uh, the lender and the borrower. Um, so uh, the lender 
so he he has a doc, he's let's say he's holding on to a, a document that says that you owe me money. Um, so uh, when the borrower pays, what exactly do you do with that document? Do you rip it up, or do you write a receipt? Is it is is the purpose? Is there value in writing a receipt uh, to the to the borrower for the fact that he paid his loan? Uh, because then, if we say that he has to write a receipt uh, document, so then uh, the onus is on him to hold on to it. Maybe that, does he then have to hold on to it? Because what would happen if, let's say, he loses it? So then, could the could the uh, lender then make another claim and say, "You never paid me. You have to pay me more. Now you have to pay me again." Um, you know, when you're when you're holding on to receipts, so then you bear that responsibility to hold on to it. So who bears within whenever there's a these situations where somebody owes somebody else, so who bears the responsibility to hold on to the document? So that is there value in having a receipt, uh, or, or should we have a receipt uh, where the uh, person who's paying has to then hold on to it and make sure it never gets lost? Um, so that's going to be all part of this discussion. So the Gemara says, in this case of where we have witnesses, we have to be concerned. We have to be concerned. Why should we be concerned? She's not using a document here, uh, and she's claiming that she's owed money. Maybe she's going to use these witnesses to testify in this court. She's hiding the document, and then she'll come to another court, and she'll reveal the document and say, I never got paid. Look, I, I still have my document. I never got paid. Uh, so how, how could this work? So the Gemara gives two answers. Amr Rabbi Avo says... That uh, this proves to us, this in fact proves to us that uh, we um, write a receipt uh, when uh, when they end up getting paid. We write a receipt to the the husband in this case, uh, so that uh, she can never make another claim in another court that she was that she still owed the money because the husband now is holding on to the receipt. So this proves to us that uh, this is not a simple. Uh, well, in in other places, there's a discussion whether or not we want to give a receipt to the husband. Uh, this, but this should prove to us that we write a receipt. Again, in in a normal case, what you would do is you would give the document, either destroyed or you'd really give the document to the husband. You'd give the exuba document to the husband, and that solves all the problems. The problem here is that she's claiming when she first goes to court that there is no such document. She lost the document. Uh, she doesn't have the document. So then the question is, what do you do in such a scenario where she doesn't have a document? Uh, do you then... Uh, force the husband to pay but give him a receipt? Or do you say that, no, once you don't have the document, then uh, it was your responsibility to hold on to it. You don't have it. So then we're concerned you're going to go to another court. Maybe he'll lose he'll lose the receipt. Um, it, it, it's, it's an open question. It's a debate that's found uh, elsewhere. So this should prove to us that we actually do write, we write a receipt because apparently we do pay her even though she does not have the document. So what's going to prevent her from going to another court What's going to prevent her is the fact that we write a receipt. That is the position of Rabbi Avahu. Rav Papa says, no, there's no proof. Rav Papa, Amar Rav Papa says, no, there's no proof that we actually write a receipt, that the husband has to pay in such a scenario, and therefore he has to hold on to the receipt. No, maybe, in fact, the ruling would be that in general, uh, if she loses the ksuba, he doesn't have to pay out of this concern that even if you write a receipt, maybe the, the husband will, will lose the receipt and uh, maybe she'll then go to another court to collect the to collect the payment and collect it a second time. 
So her papa says, no, what's going on here? There were certain places, in certain places, they never wrote a ksuba to begin with. They never had a ksuba document uh, to begin with uh, for her to collect from it. Because this was, uh, the, the whole concept was uh, instituted by, uh, let's say, the, the amount, and uh, was instituted by the rabbis, and was set in stone in the marriage. There was no need for a document. There was no need for a document. And so therefore, it's, it just, it's, a, it's a totally different situation where it's not like she lost the document, and therefore... She's held accountable for that, or potentially held accountable for that. No, there was never a ksuba document to begin with, so then he would have to pay her. He would, in fact, have to pay her. And uh, apparently we're not concerned that she's going to go to another to another court. Um, that is Rapapa's response. So again, Rabbi Avo says, we prove from here that, uh, that there is um, that there is a uh, shover. There's a concept of a receipt, and... The husband would have to pay her, but he gets a receipt and he has to hold on to that. He he bears the responsibility to hold on to the receipt. Rapapa says, no, there's no such proof. Maybe we're dealing with a case where, uh, in the Mishnah, where it's a, it's a place where they never wrote a Ksuba document to begin with. This whole dispute between Rabbi Avo and Rapapa, could we use this at our Mishnah as a proof to the fact that we write a receipt when um, when basically the uh, the one who's owed the money loses the document uh, this is this is the same dispute came up, not not in our Mishnah, but in the following Brisa, Brisa. The following Brisa, again, these are notes that were written during the time period of the Mishnah, says a very similar case. If there's a case where she lost her ksuba, she hid it; it was burnt, and we have te- we have testimony that things that they would do only if it's her first marriage, only if she was a virgin. They would dance before her at the wedding. Sichaku uh, lefanecha. They they were uh, lively around her. Haviru lefanecha kosha basura. They passed before her a cup of an announcement cup, um, which we'll see later on what that is. Omapa shabusulim, or they even have the the cloth of that proves that she was that she was a virgin. Any of these cases, we, we trust the test, the, the witnesses, even though she does not have the document. She lost the document, or the document was, was, uh, burnt. We, we, we rely on that. So the Gemara says, the same question that we had on the Mishnah, now we're on 16b2 in the article of Gemara. Why aren't we concerned that she's going to use witnesses in one court? And then she's gonna she's gonna reveal in another court the ksuba. She was hiding it the whole time. She lied the whole time, and she'll collect a second time in a different court. How are we not concerned? Same dispute. The answer is, oh, I'm Rabbi Avoda. Rabbi Avoda says the answer is is because you write you write a receipt, and this proves us that the husband really has to pay, even though she claims that she lost the document. The husband still has to pay, and we give the husband the receipt, and the husband now has to hold on to that receipt. Her papa says, not so fast. No. We're discussing a case where they did not write a ksuba. It's a place where they, they did not write a ksuba. Uh, and so therefore, she could always collect without the ksuba. The Gemara says, wait a minute. Slow down. But The brisa is different than our Mishnah. Our Mishnah never discussed whether or not, there, why is there no ksuba here? Her papa wants to suggest there's no ksuba here because they were in a place where they didn't write a ksuba. What are you talking about? The Brisa says explicitly. They wrote a ksuba, but she's making the claim that it was lost. It was burnt. Uh, something happened to the document. So it says that it was lost. Uh, so the Gemara answers, no. The cost of law, 
Because of La'ihu. It happens to be it's a place where they did not write the Ksuba. That's true. But the husband, in this case, wrote it. He went against the norm of that city. And he did write, uh, he did write the Ksuba. Says the Gemara, Sosof Oh, if he wrote it to her, so then, why are we not concerned that she's really lying when she said she lost it? She'll collect through the witnesses in one court and then collect with the actual document in a second court. Thing where it says, my ibda ibda or the cases where it was burnt, um, and we know that it, we know that it was burnt. We know that the, the document was burnt. Visu ibda lamali. So the Gemara says, "What are you talking about? It was burnt." We have three different cases in this brisa. One of them was that it was burnt. One of them was that it was lost. One of them was that she hid it. These are not all. These are not all cases where it was burnt. So the Gemara says, "No." Ela kol ibda ki itmina b'faninu dami velo yavinan la adam reedim nisravak subasa. Basically. We have to know, all these cases are basically cases where we have to know that it was lost in front of us. What does it mean that it was lost in front of us? If it was lost, it was not lost in front of us. It means we have to have testimony that this was burnt, basically. Lost means it was destroyed. We have to find, we have to know that this was destroyed. If the document wasn't destroyed, then we are actually concerned, um, according to Rapapa. We would, we would in fact be concerned. Um, and that's how you have to explain it. Tosos just points out, parenthetically, um, so why did this have to be a, in a place where Papa says is in a place where they didn't usually write a ksuba? So the explanation is basically that uh, if you're in a place where they usually wrote this document, so even if it gets burnt, we should be concerned that he wrote it a second time. After it was burnt, he wrote another one, and that she could be hiding. But if it's in a place where they generally don't write it, we wouldn't be concerned. He wrote it this time, it got, it got destroyed, uh, he's not going to write it a second time. We don't have any concern that he's going to write it a second time. Uh, that's, that's what Tosis points out. Now, uh, in the end of the day, there's a big difference between the Mishnah and the Brisa. In the Mishnah, it's not talking about a case where we know that there was a Ksuba to begin with. Uh, that got destroyed. The Brisa was discussing a case where there was this document, but then uh, it got destroyed in front of us, at least according to Rapapa. So the Gemara just points out, we have this dispute between Rapapa and Rabbi Avahu. We have two different versions, whether this commentary is going on the Mishnah, whether it's going on the Brisa, the Gemara points out, If you have this dispute between Rapapa and Rabbi Avo, whether or not uh, he he has to pay, the husband has to pay, but he gets a receipt. Uh, if you have this discussion in the Brisa, so then certainly they'll have this discussion in the Mishnah. However, But if you have this dispute on the Mishnah, so then the Brisa, it's possible that they don't have this dispute. Because in the Brisa, as we pointed out before, it seems pretty clear that uh, there was a document around. So once there's a document around, um, it's hard to say like Rapapa that we're talking about in a place where they didn't have a document. The Gemara had to go through, uh, through a whole long explanation of this guy wrote it even though it's not normal to write it. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't respond like that just because you would res- Rapapa would have his response in the Mishnah. So the, the Bryce is different because the Bryce clearly says that there was a document that was written. The Ksuba document was in fact written. Okay, um, let's see a little bit more in this Gemara. The Gemara now says, Im yesh edim. Uh, Basically, if we have witnesses, why aren't we concerned for the following? Forget about witnesses to one court and bringing the document to another court. Let's say there is no document. Uh, but 
Maybe I'll bring one pair of witnesses to one court, and then I'll bring a different pair of witnesses who also testify about uh, the circumstances of the wedding to prove that this was her first uh, marriage uh, to a different court. Forget about the documents. You can bring two different pairs of witnesses. How come we're not concerned for that? So the Gemara answers, well, in a case where there's no choice, where there really is no choice, so then, this does seem to prove to us that uh, in a case where there's no choice, uh, we would write a shover. We would write a receipt. Uh, and so basically, the husband pays, we have to give him a receipt. And now, the responsibility is on him to make sure that he holds on to that receipt. Lest uh, the wife then go to another court with witnesses, with a different pair of witnesses. Um, and so then he'll have a receipt to prove that he already paid the ksuba. Okay, once we're on the topic... The Gemara now discusses, well, what were these different proofs that this was her, that she was still a virgin, that this is her first marriage? Uh, so the Gemara says, my kos shel basura. What is this kos shel basura, this announcement cup? So the Gemara says, Amr of Adabarahava, we're now in the second column of 16b3. In the art scroll, Amr of Adabarahava, kos yain shel truma mavirin lefaneha, kolomaruya haisa zu lechel betruma. They would pass before her a cup of wine. That consisted of truma. It was truma wine. Why? Because if she's marrying a Kohen, it's like it's saying that she would have been fit to eat truma because this is her first marriage. A Kohen cannot marry somebody who was divorced. So the Gemara asks, wait a minute. But a widow is allowed to marry a Kohen. It could be her second marriage and she's a widow. Her husband, her first husband passed away. She's allowed to eat truma. What, what, what is that proof to us to pass along uh, this cup of truma to say that this is her first marriage. It could also be a second marriage, and she could also eat truma. Elamra papa zureshis kitruma reishis. The reason why they would pass along a cup of wine, which is truma, is not because she's the only one who could drink uh, this truma wine. If it's her first marriage, no. If it's your second marriage, you could also, uh, assuming that uh, the first marriage was because ended in in the death of the husband. Um, the reason why they bring pass along the truma is because truma is viewed as the first portion. Uh, truma is viewed as the first portion which is separated. So too, for the wife, this is her first time that she's having sexual relations. And so they both represent the first of something. That's why they would pass along this cup. Okay, another custom. We're getting into these different customs of what they would do at these weddings. Again, just to point out, perhaps they had these customs to differentiate so that people would know later on. Uh, whether or not, uh, so that people don't forget whether or not this is a first marriage or a second marriage. Uh, there was another custom, Rabbi Huda said that they would uh, pass before her a barrel of wine. What what would they do exactly? The Gemara explains. When it came to a virgin, they would pass before her a sealed barrel. Uh, because right now she is sealed as a virgin. If it was a second, if it was she's not a virgin, so then they would pass before her an open barrel, um, because she did have sexual relations in the past. Sigmar says, "Why is that necessary? Amai, why is this really necessary?" If we want to differentiate between these two types of marriages, so then just pass a barrel of wine before her, for if it's her first marriage. If it's not her first marriage, so then don't pass anything. Why do we have to always pass wine before her? And if it's her, if she's a virgin, so then it's a it's a closed barrel. If she's not a virgin, it's an open barrel. Just pass something before her if it's her first. If she's a virgin, and not if she's not a virgin. 
Sigmar answers, interesting answer. Zimnin de Tavsa Masaim, Vaamra Ana Basula Hava, Vahidilo Avru Kamai, Itnusu, Hudi Inisu. So perhaps we're gonna have the following situation where she grabs, she takes from her it's, we're talking about much later on, end of the marriage, she takes from her husband's estate uh, with against against uh, anybody's permission and not in front of the court. She takes the, the money that she's owed or that she claims that she's owed. And then she says, you can't take it away from me. You can't take it away from me because I was a basula, I was a virgin. Oh, you're going to claim that I wasn't a virgin because they didn't pass any barrel in front of me. And that must mean it's a second marriage. No, that was because they just didn't have time to. They forgot about it. Whatever it was, it was uh, uh, something happened that they didn't do it. Uh, and she can make such a claim and then she could hold on to it. Uh, but now that we rule that you always have to pass a barrel, it's just a question of what type. She can't make such a claim. She can't say no. It was a a, a barrel that was uh, that was closed. We'll know whether it's closed or whether it's open. So we have to actively do something in both weddings so that she can't make the claim that oh, the reason why they didn't do this at my wedding was because they just forgot to or something happened that uh, that was uncontrollable um, and therefore they didn't do that. But really, it's my first marriage. No, we want to make sure that we know with certainty the differences. And so therefore, you have to actively do something in both weddings, both when it's her first marriage and when it's her second marriage, so that it becomes clear. So that later on in life, she can't just grab uh, and essentially take it away from the husband and make the claim that, you know what, I'm really a virgin and you can't prove. Uh, there'll be no way. You'd have to go back to the videotape and see uh, what exactly, what were the customs that were happening because there's customs that take place both when she's a virgin and uh, when she is not a virgin. Okay, this concludes this Gemara. In the next daf, we're at the end of daf Tazayin. In the next daf, we come to one of the most famous Gemaras in all of Ksubis. Uh, it's, a, it's a song that we sing at weddings. Um, uh, and we'll get to it in the next recording.